What is going on, everybody? This is Drew here, and I welcome you all to a new Game of the Year show from Phoenix Down crossover event with N4G Radio. Uh, we do this every year. Uh, since we have so many people on one show, we're going to divide it up. And yeah, so welcome to the Game of the Year 2017 show. Uh, I got three people on today. Me, along with Sophie. Howdy. And John. The Brits are taking over the show. Yeah. <laughs> I know. You got you got a, a, the Southern Redneck and the two Brits. <laughs> so, uh, yeah. So, yeah, Game of the Year. Been a pretty crazy year this year. Hasn't it just? It's just been amazing. Tons and yeah. tons of games. And it was nonstop throughout the entire year, it seemed like. And they're all huge. They were all yeah. massive, massive games. And it's like you pick one up, you think, right, I'm going to crack through. And in the space it takes you to do one, four other massive games have come yeah. out. It's like, my backlog is embarrassing. No, my backlog's been embarrassing for years, but yeah. that's just me. Job, a job will do that to you. Yeah. Yeah, yeah real life. Yeah. But so uh, I used a random number generator while we were talking our intros to figure out who was going to go first. And guess what? It's going to be John. <laughs> oh, awesome. Once I'm done, I can then put you on mute and go sleep. Uh, awesome. <laughs> so um, I guess I think probably a good way to, to start my list is starting off with the bad and, and then heading up to the good. So I am, I am going to start with my most disappointing. It's not a huge list, but there's quite a few important titles on here um so we've just mentioned on how great 2017 was not for every game not everything was as perfect as we'd hoped no and i have four titles that have made my most disappointing which is unusual i normally only have one or two are you going to do it in order john from like least most disappointing to most disappointing no No, it's hard enough putting (laughs) Nine of my ten in a particular order. I'm not going to do those as well. Um, but I, I will start off with something. Let's get this conversation out of the way with Destiny 2. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, okay. I'm not on my own. I thought I might not be. Um, I, I definitely don't think you're on your own. <laughs> I felt that... I mean, let's, let's, let's just rewind three years... And I think was it all three of us gave it our game of the year. Destiny well, Drew, Drew was going to, oh, and he, he and then out. he he flaked out at the last minute, and yeah. I believe he awarded it to um, Shovel Knight. Dra- uh, Shovel Knight. It was either Shovel Knight or which one was Dragon Age Inquisition? Was that the same year as Destiny? Yeah, I, I think, think it was. Was it? Was yeah. it? yeah, I think it was. Oh, but I don't think God. it was. Well, anyway, I I, I don't mean you. So I have we... my list. We definitely um, awarded it our game of the year. So, as you can imagine, there were a few of us that felt that Destiny 2 was was going to be great. And well, also, like, Destiny 1 game of the year in the year it came out was not even the best form of Destiny 1, Ab- right? Absolutely so. not. I, like, I, I, mm. I dropped off of Destiny before it, quote-unquote, got good. <laughs> the Taken King was where that... Was it was the Taken King, wasn't it? Yeah. Expansion yeah. Where they, they made some, some quality of life adjustments. It wasn't a perfect game, but boy, 
did. I mean, I didn't spend as much as time as you and Sophie, but I must have clocked up 160, 180 hours. I spent a lot of time, and I was looking forward to Destiny 2. You know, a bigger focus on an actual narrative, um, more kind of uh, set-piece play on the, or through this storyline. Um, the added things like the guided games, the fact that um, it, it wasn't going to be so stingy with the loot, uh, the random loot generator. It all sounded too good to be true. And it was. Um, and I don't know what went wrong. I played the single player. I, I enjoyed the single player. I think that the additions on there, making Nathan Fillion your kind of um, focal point was a great idea because that man is charming and can and can be incredibly witty given the right uh, material, which he was. Um, there were some really... I mean, just even scenes like when he's stroking the chicken in the farmyard, it just... <laughs> proper like laugh out loud moments and i enjoyed it and then i just stopped playing it i just didn't i mean i tried some sessions with our friends um uh todd and uh kirsty tried uh, doing some uh, group stuff with them i just i wasn't feeling it and i and i can you pinpoint couldn't... why i can't um, I can. I can. <laughs> I I don't know. I don't know exactly what I, was, I again the the single player I played in a couple of sessions. I really enjoyed that, but whenever it was the busy work, it was like it's like they gave us too much. It's like go here, go and get these coins or these emblems or these tokens by shooting some bad guys or doing some mission, go back to the guy in the tower, he'll change them, and then yeah. you're just filling up a bar that gives but you that's engram. the big problem that I had with this game, um, where I think I was discussing this with Dave yesterday, and it's almost like Destiny 2 belongs before Destiny 1, because instead of taking what they had, I think it was... Um, uh, Dave and Logan who said this um, in Destiny 1 they had a great shooter and then they added loot and in Destiny 2 they still had a great shooter with as you say those much needed quality of life changes that came but then they made loot totally redundant Yeah, um, because there was too much of it well, but no, and also I, it wasn't varied. They removed all the random roles there was no kind of god roll to chase um, I personally felt um, disappointed by the fact that so many of the exotic weapons were were recycled from Destiny One. Mm, yeah, there was there was no kind of like there's no chase. Like even in Year One, Destiny One, you had that great design of the Vault of Glass, which in my opinion is just one of the best things I've ever done in gaming. Like y- you and I, Andrew, you, all three of us, I think, were yeah, together we, the first time I finished the Vault of Glass. Me too, yeah. yeah. And, and that was just joy. such an incredible experience. And even Year One, Destiny 1, gave you a reason to keep playing the Vault of Glass. Part of that was because they screwed up the whole loot thing to begin with. But there was always something to do, I think, in Destiny 1. Even if it was something like just looking for ghosts or looking for grimoire, like... Every type, every guardian had their grimoire score, which more than any kind of level or loot showed how much you invested in a game. It, it, that was my experience of it. I liked seeing my grimoire score of whatever thousand it was saying, yeah, look, when someone sees me in the tower, they know I've been playing this game 
for a hell of a long time. Yeah. And that's all been ripped out. You know, it was kind of like they took everything that they tweaked and made better. And, you know, people saying, why are you hiding the story behind Grimoire? Great question. That was one of the biggest screw ups, in my opinion, in Mm. Destiny 1. Why do we have to go on the Internet and log into Bungie's website to find out what the story is? Yeah. So instead of complementing Grimoire cards with kind of a cohesive in-game narrative, they just rip one thing out. And yeah, so that was the, my biggest issues with Destiny 2 were the changes to the loot, um, the the complete lack of end game, and the complete lack of any kind of chase. I mean, I haven't. There's there's no reason for me to replay the raid. I haven't even played the Curse of Osiris DLC. No, I and haven't I even just, touched it. And it, I, I feel my it, the reason this is my biggest disappointment is because I can't remember the last time I was so excited to play a game mm. and having been like uh, truly obsessed with destiny one through its life cycle you know and i kind of think at least that was a game that was moving in the right direction you know the fan base were on board you know it had its problems the community had some great conversations with bungie about that and the the community in general in destiny is one of the best i've ever been involved with but But it felt like like that they as you say there was a great communication between the fan base and the developers and didn't you feel like at E3, they've got it. They've got this right. Yes. They've listened. And then to have that and then show up in Destiny 2 as just, well, I, it I, didn't feel like. It was like an open goal. And I don't know how they've screwed this up so badly, but they have. That was just... that was the biggest <laughs> thing. That was the biggest thing that me and a coworker were talking about because he is a huge Destiny fan and he was and he has completely dropped off of Destiny too and I never thought it would happen. But there are so many people like that as well. I can't. I'm I can't believe there's people saying, still playing it. You know, I'm. I want to come back. I want a reason to come back, and I have a horrible feeling it's going to be behind another forty pound expansion yeah. next year, which is just a real kicker because you kind of think, why have you know we stuck with your game through some pretty big changes that were needed and pumped money into that game and kept playing because i met some great friends through destiny i had some great experiences playing destiny and it is kind of a fun game you come home from a crap day at work you can lose yourself in it for a couple of hours just mucking around in the crucible or or anything you know Mm. and the fact that I, I have not got that compulsion to play i never thought i'd be sat here doing this podcast with you guys this year and this game being my biggest disappointment. You and know, I'm genuinely gutted about it. Yeah. It, it, it boils down to simple RPG elements because I play a lot of RPGs. I'm a big fan of them and I can name exactly what the problem was. So in Destiny 1, they didn't have enough loot. Uh, it, like there was only a few select things. That they, that they have, and also the loot drops were bad. So they said, okay, we're gonna fix that in Destiny 2. But they have to make everything balanced. So they said, we're gonna have a shit ton of loot drops in Destiny 2, but none of them matter. The biggest problem yep. with Destiny 2 is, is that everybody's like, oh, we're chasing that score. We, we gotta get that light level up. Get to 305. Why? Why get to 305 when a guy who's 289 is going to feel just as powerful as the guy at 305. 
Yeah, there, I there's agree. No, there's no progression. There's no reason to do any of this. It's just well, a grind I'm, to make a number go up. Right, and that's why I kind of like the grimoire, because that was stuff that you unlocked through natural kind of playing of the game, you know, kill 500 of this enemy type, or, you know, that kind of thing. And it, it was just an an emblem of, of your time investment. And, and the biggest issue, you're 100% right, was the balance issue and Bungie's decision to to completely change up the crucible and make all of the weapons that you know obviously every weapon in destiny is the same in pvp and pve and they've balanced it so it works in the crucible and as a result you're exactly right you just feel like you're running around in 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 pv pve and you have no power you don't feel like a legend you just kind of think yeah and i don't that's there the were issues issue. There were issues in the Crucible. We all remember kind of when everyone was running around with Thorn and the shotgun frenzy. But some weapons, like exotic weapons, they're supposed to be more powerful. You know, I kind of like it when Bungie kind of, or when they, when someone would discover a god roll of a, a scout rifle or a hand cannon or whatever. And for a while, yeah, everyone's using it in the Crucible. But I personally the whole thorn thing i hate using hand cannons i couldn't use them but it forced me to learn how to use it because you had to kind of use it for a while in the crucible to to get anywhere and i don't know why instead of they could have separated both of them they could have separated the pvp from the pve and if you want to feel powerful make exotic weapons freaking matter like that's the thing is like you, you look at a standard rpg like diablo it, you want to wreck stuff. You want to break the game. That's the point of an RPG. You want to find these ways and these items that will just completely destroy enemies. And that's yeah, what you want to do in an RPG. I agree. And they screwed that up because, well, we can't make everybody all powerful whenever the PvP is part of it. And like, I don't know. The Crucible never felt broken to me. Like, there were times when guns were... They, they would tweak the odd gun or they'd nerf the odd gun. and But then they lost control of it, I guess, right? With all the auto rifles got completely nerfed. Yeah, that's what they I don't do. know why, they, just, I don't they, know why they, they didn't just... Yeah, they blanket nerf everything, like shotguns. Like, that was the big nerf whenever I was still playing Destiny 1. So instead of saying, okay, these couple of shotguns need to be nerfed, they just nerfed all shotguns. And that included the PvE mode. And I'm like, well, now nobody uses shotguns in PvE. It's useless now. You know, well, now nobody uses a sniper rifle at all. So. Yeah, that's that's the other thing is like they've they've grouped things together so that now they're energy weapons, regular weapons, kinetic or power weapons, and they throw shotguns and sniper rifles into the power weapon. Why in the hell would I ever use a sniper rifle when I can have that slot taken up by a rocket launcher? No, it just um, it just. It seems like a misstep. And then if you look at what's happened since the launch, everything they've done has alienated the community. You know, you know, you know, there was the whole Eververse thing and yeah. the fact that um, weapon or um, mods and tweaks were hidden behind a paywall. Then you had the whole, the, the guy who had basically figured out that they were hampering your progress the more you play. XP throttle, yeah. Yeah, and why is that, I wonder? To make you buy bright engrams. And then they said they fixed it and then doubled the amount of XP you needed. To... <laughs> well, and that then the they... the biggest, lo- like, punch in the face, I yeah. swear. 
and um, then they locked everyone behind like anyone who then had the base game but not the curse of osiris dlc were locked out of leveling mm. to max light level because they locked all of the end game content behind the expansion behind the, it, 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 it boggles my mind and what really annoys me is that every time they've done something every kind of misstep that they've made since its launch they come back and they say we've listened we've listened to your feedback no you haven't you've not listening you are basically trying to cover your asses because you've been caught and it's not acceptable and i don't know how much of it is bungee and how much of it is activision we all know that activision are the evil overlords of gaming that they're yeah. sitting on their throne with the yeah i, 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 I admit know. yeah I think every game now, big games from big publishers and big developers, there there are going to, I think, microtransactions are just going to be the new normal. You know, that's I mean, that's a separate conversation. I agree. And I don't, you know, the the loot box thing is is not part of the reason why um, Destiny 2, I think, has been disappointing. It's that the whole the way that Bungie have acted with all of these situations and the, the way that they they just get caught lying and if, if if they had come out at the beginning and said XP changes based upon the amount of certain activities you do no one would have cared they got caught lying and then had to backpedal and it's then double down <laughs> just yeah I think I don't, I don't know I don't, I don't know what understand. Bungie do from this point. Uh, I don't know how they save the game. I don't know. Well, again, I think you've you've probably nailed it on the head. They save it with a forty pound expansion that they expect you to buy. That doesn't work anymore. They got to pass with Destiny One with that shit. They can't do that again. And see, that was the thing. But Destiny Two was supposed to be the clean slate. That was supposed to be the tabula fucking rasa. Yeah. yeah, and I don't understand though because, like, as you say, that was they got a they 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 got the benefit of the doubt in Destiny One because I think, well, me personally, as a player of Destiny One, I could see things moving in the right direction, and I still enjoyed playing the game. I the almost the game was essential. Yeah, I almost didn't playing. come back for the Taken King, and then I saw it, and I was like, you know what? What the heck? I really like this game. I want to get back into it, and so I didn't have a problem paying for that and i got my money's worth um but i don't understand how you can get a game to the point it was at at the end of the taken king and and just screw it up so badly like why i I just don't understand the conversations that were had and that's what i mean about i don't know how they're going to save this game because as you say you can't now give people the product that they had a year and a half ago in the Taken King and expect them to pay the money again. Mm. And, you know, it it's crazy to me. But And they've yeah. also lost... I mean, if you look, it's not just us three. There are hundreds of thousands of players that have dropped off, where is it with it? At the same point in Destiny 1, they were still enjoying themselves. They have got a lot of people to to try and claw back, and I don't know how possible that's going to be. Especially seeing as we've already seen one of the expansions out, as in the Trial of Osiris. A small expansion, very small, caused problems, obviously. The next one apparently is leaked, and that's coming January or February. That's 
probably also going to be very small. These are the season expansion passes that you paid 30 or 40 pounds for. And you're going to feel robbed if come September next year, they're releasing the big expansion. With an actual new raid, right? (laughs) Yeah, people are going to feel cheated. And as you say, they gave Destiny the benefit of the doubt because they were enjoying the playing of the game. These people aren't enjoying the playing of the game anymore. You're not going to get them back by asking them to spend more money. That's exactly right. Well, here's the thing. To Destiny's credit, and you can go look at my review of the game because I did write a review and I gave it a favorable score. The the first 30 hours of that game was enjoyable. Yeah. I I was excited to see what it it got to. When you beat the story, you start doing some of the quote-unquote in-game content and you're slapped in the face with this grind and the problem with even if you do grind to get exotics, none of them synergize really well and none of them feel very powerful. You just get this overwhelming feeling of I, why am I doing this? And you know that it's supposed to be a continuous game when, you know what I would tell somebody right now, should I get destiny Two? I'd be like, if you really want to play a decent little story, if you want to play a halo game, but not halo, for 30 hours or so, sure, you'll have fun with it. Yeah. You know? Yeah, but it's probably it's not, a good investment for 20 quid game. or something like that. But Even it, at full price, it's not a bad game. This is just, just my level of disappointment with what I was hoping yeah. it was going to well, be. It, doesn't, it, it was not so the game that was advertised, more. right? It's not even the game that um, it should have been coming off the back of Destiny 1. Um, no. But I think, yeah. We're agreed. I really hope they turn it around because, you know, I still want it to succeed and I still want I want to be back playing Destiny because it's just been a great experience for me the last few years, playing the first one, playing with friends. It's, as I say, one of the best communities I've been involved with. I've met some great people and I think the community, I think what you see like there's the joke about, you know, the salty Destiny fans, this, that and the other and I think if people didn't care there would not be this level of kind mm. of I, I, I don't want to say outrage but kind of they, genuine they disappointment and mo- they moan because they care and people if you go on the destiny subreddit you know it's someone from there who found no one goes to all that effort of figuring out that xp throttle if they don't care about the game yeah you know Absolutely. these people care about the game which as you say makes bungie's whole we're listening to you it, it makes a mockery of people and i think if no one cared about Destiny 2, we wouldn't be sat here having started this show talking about this game this way for mm. 50 minutes or whatever. So well, I still care, absolutely. but I, I'm not playing it until there's some big changes. I'll tell you somebody who listens is Jeff fucking Kaplan with Overwatch because they make changes that are really good. And they have continued to make great changes. If I could, Overwatch would be my game of the year, but I can't. <laughs> so no it's the wrong year it's it is the, the wrong, wrong year. year but i am still um, playing a lot of overwatch <laughs> <laughs> uh but yeah that's i mean I, I guess if we were listing it that probably would be my number one um the other three on oh saying that though we'll get to another one in a moment um i'm gonna talk about might as well get this one out of the way star wars battlefront yeah. 2 it's been a year for for poor old ea um <laughs> 
They did it to themselves, to be fair. Admittedly, yes. Um, Again, the we've listened apology came up more than once when dealing with Battlefront 2. My disappointment uh, stems from a very similar uh, sort of uh, see from, from Destiny in the fact that at E3, EA was, we have listened to your feedback. You've played lots of Battlefront and you've told us you want a story. We did. And the story they gave us was shite. You said, we want um, better heroes and, and, and better ways of achieving them. So you put them behind loot boxes and grinding. They 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 don't seem to listen. Now, the whole loot boxing, again, is a completely different topic, with the exception of this was a core part of the game. This It's like they gave DICE a remit of, this is a loot box, build your game around it. Not find a way to put loot boxes in. It's like they they, that was the first thing on the first page of the design box uh, document loot box underscore 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 because that's is the biggest disappointment to me is that there is no sense of progression with the molly player because it's all randomized it doesn't matter how good you are and admittedly i'm not very good but it doesn't matter how many people you kill how many objectives you took you're rewarded exactly the same. And that reward is pitiful when it comes to unlocking stuff. If you want to unlock the heroes, you're going to have to spend a lot of time doing it. And that's if you don't want to unlock loot boxes for the classes that you're actually going to be spending the time using to unlock the heroes. And then when it all goes completely wrong, they remove them and break the progression of the game (laughs) so that you can't even buy your way through and that game currently is broken until they fix the progression which i don't know they will ever bother doing Uh, i think what will happen i don't think they'll ever reintroduce paid for currency i think that is they they probably wouldn't dare but i also don't think they're going to actually fix the progression system now they can't sell you loot boxes or, or paid currency. And I don't think they're going to put the time and effort because it would require building from the ground up. And I don't think they're going to bother because that thing didn't sell super well. No one did as I, well as the original did. I, I mean, I kind of gave it a cursory glance, but once the controversy kicked off, I was like, nah. Um, but again, it just baffles me. How can you score a massive own goal with a franchise like Star Wars? I'm it's pretty greed. sure. It's yeah, but I'm fairly sure you could totally introduce microtransactions and loot boxes or whatever into in a Star Wars game. You can, and there would be so many hardcore Star Wars fans who would pay money for rare skins or what have you. People would put that money even average fans would probably say oh do you know what like it's christmas i'll bung a fiver and and get some skins or some loot do you know what i mean i just think mm. uh, star wars is one of those names that people will throw their money at y- you don't have to lock it behind you don't no it's it's a tick it's the whole point 
that EA went for this license and probably were the highest bidders um, is that Star Wars is a is a, a franchise with a license to print money. Yeah, and if and, you make a good game, the fans will come. And if you make a game with, I guess, like a development cycle of three or five years, people will pump money into that thing. Of course they will. But greed is... And we know it's greed. We know this is greed. Because if it wasn't, they wouldn't they they wouldn't have taken them out. It wouldn't have changed the game so much by taking the paid for element out. It yeah. was pure greed. They wanted to see what they could get away with. They got caught, they backed away, they got caught again and completely removed them. Well, if anything, and, like it's just so short sighted, isn't it? Because you think like you say, it's not it's ended up not selling that well. And when it's, really it's, it's, what knocked three billion off of EA's bottom line? That's a massive own goal. I mean I am I am incredibly surprised that Andrew Wilson is still a CEO, and I will well, be very surprised if he is by the end of the financial year. No I doubt think it, he's stepping down. Plus, they run the risk of in, the, this embarrassed Disney as well. Yes, and that license so, the <laughs> those are the real bosses. Yeah, yeah. Let's face it; they pretty much own most of the world now, and it wouldn't be long before they probably own EA. But it's. Yeah, that 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 was. I mean, to, for a news point, for someone who's interested in the news of video games as well as video games, it was intriguing seeing all of this stuff kick off. Yeah, I mean, you know, Disney. You know, the rumor being that, you know, not the head of Disney, but one of his uh, guys had contacted Andrew Wilson with a phone call, and that's literally they switched off the the, the microtransactions. That point. it's like. EA, as big as they think they are, they're no Disney. And this could potentially cost them a lot of money because Disney, I would imagine, has the right to revoke that license when the tenure comes up. So if, for example, uh, you know, the next game that they release is like they've got a three-game license. Well, they've done two, the next game's that license expires. That could go somewhere else. And Disney will remember this stuff. And, And they... And Disney don't Disney don't care about the amount of money EA pump into. Disney don't care that they put microtransactions in. Disney cares that this kicked off such a stink it tarnished yeah. the Star Wars name. PR, that's what they care about. And yeah. it's the brand, Absolutely. isn't it? It's all about the Absolutely. brand. And if this whole controversy meant that ten thousand people didn't go to see the Last Jedi, that's bad news for Disney because that's all they care about. And by the by. I don't care what anyone says. Last Jedi was fucking awesome. But, I agree, but whatever. <laughs> yeah. Um, but that aside, even the single player. I mean, I'm I'm I've tried playing that thing. I've tried for a lot. I've tried like twice this week to continue playing the single player. Um, you know, they gave us some more free content with an extra chapter to the single player when the Last Jedi was released, and I thought, you know what, I'm going to try. It's, it's just dull to play. The story is so predictable and so just meh. You know that Eden Versio seems like an interesting character. She's just not written very well, and neither her are the uh, her counterpart or the um, uh, the bad guys, uh, the uh, the admiral and and her uh, one of her other. 
Inferno Squad uh, colleagues, they're not written very well, very one note. The shoehorning in of the heroes and the sections, I mean, the, the, the Luke section where you get to play as Luke Skywalker is just, just poorly designed. The controls are terrible. Um, it, it's just, I mean, this is Star Wars. This is EA. This is dice. And it's just garbage. Massive, massive disappointment. Mm. Then there's Agents of Mayhem. I don't know whether you two played this. I, I won't go on too much I, about it. No, I didn't either. Um, again, it, for me, I was, it, I knew it wasn't going to be Saints Row 5. That was very clear, but this was in that universe. It was, um, you know, it was meant to have that kind of humour. Some characters were making cameos in one form or another. And it's open world, uh, you know, third person kind of shooter, um, focusing on, uh, you know, switching between three characters, even though that didn't include three player cards, which was weird. Um, to start off with, when I started playing that game, I enjoyed it. And then it got so dull so quick. Um, none of the characters that you unlocked really had, there wasn't much difference between the characters. They say all had different weapons and, and different specials, but they just felt samey. It didn't feel like I was, you know, you unlock these characters, it didn't feel like I was getting anywhere with it. It didn't, fe- it didn't feel like anything new when I unlocked the character. Um, and the world, although colourful, was bland. Um, the, the well, car sections weren't great. Uh, the enemies were just... It was the same kind of rinse and repeat style. You had about four different types of enemy, and they would... The easy ones would appear first in a way, then you'd get the next... And then you'll get the harder ones and the harder... It just felt quite dull. And that was a disappointment, because I was looking forward to something that was a bit... A bit more like Saints Row 3, because I enjoyed Saints Row 3. And... So finally, for the, uh, I don't know, I, I say my most disappointing game, because I really, really was looking forward to this, um, was Mass Effect. And me and Drew played through for Phoenix Down, all three of them, pretty much in, in the row. And that was running up, all, I think, did we finish just after it had come out? Uh, I can't remember. I think so. I think uh, Andromeda had come out probably about two weeks before. So, for me, it was, um, yeah, it was a massive disappointment when, I mean, that's not including the fact that the game was buggy and, you know, your stony-eyed faces and blank expressions and terrible dialogue. (laughs) It was, and again, this is a game I played probably 20 hours of, so I certainly put some time in, but it just fell flat. It just, just didn't. You know, the characters weren't as good. Uh, whether you went with Jack or whatever her name Ryder is, um, the, the story was missing something. You know, it was like, well, they're going off to a new world, but as soon as they got there, it was the same old problems. It didn't find give us anything new. The, the bad guys, the I can't remember what they called them, the Ket, Ket, wasn't it? Yeah, that was it. The Ket were dull, and it just—I don't know—I just. I could have cried. I really could have oh, cried. Oh, John. I, I'm so, so 
so looking forward to diving back in after such a, a you know, a roller coaster ride with Shepherd. Well, um, we've so, got the new Bioware coming soon, right? Isn't it um, Anthem coming this year? Yeah, I don't. By EA coming out. Yeah, with loot boxes. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, I mean, yeah, it single-handedly killed off Mass Effect. That game isn't. We're not seeing that game again for five plus years i don't think um they're going to put that one on hold and it was like how do you mess that up i know that three had you know it's hayers and not everyone was happy with the ending i had no problem to be fair with it but even those people were looking forward to a mass effect in a new universe essentially or a new galaxy at least uh with new heroes new adventures um and it just, again, it, it felt, well, one, it felt rushed. And that, by the sounds of things, uh, I'm sure there's a very interesting story that will be told one day in the future. It, to me, it sounded like they, they were not ready to release that game. They were a long time off, but EA forced a hand because of financials, hence the reason why it came out just before the, uh, the financial because you know, count people, bean counters have to tie their figures up. Um, so it was certainly was rushed, and that was evident in uh, in the game when you played it. But it was, again, just, it lacked that spark. You know, the threat of the Reapers were, wasn't there. The, like, the kettle just weren't interesting enough. They, they didn't pose that same kind of threat. And it also felt to me like the world it was a smaller universe it didn't feel i mean you didn't interact with a massive amount of people in mass effect but you felt like it was a galaxy of uh, all of these different races thriving um on these arcs that they sent out it just it didn't feel like there was anyone there you know you you open up a a, a planet and you you know you land your you know exploration people on there and and they build up a camp and bear you know but there's no one there it's it's barren it's a few people and then you go up on the ship and it doesn't feel like there's life there so the threat of the cat doesn't feel as as deadly it doesn't feel because it feels like well so what if they kill them all who cares it was only <laughs> five people on the ship it don't really matter it didn't have that same sense of dread that you get from the the Reaper threat. And then throughout the course of those three games, the Re- it wasn't just the Reaper threat. You know, you had various bad guys within that. You had, like, um, Saren uh, in the first one. You had the Harbinger in the second. Um, you had the um, uh, Elusive Man in, in the third. You know, you're, you knew the Reapers were overhead and they were the puppet masters, but you had these interesting villains that maybe were more than one dimensional. They had more sides to them than that you first think that was good writing. This had none of that. And again, they've killed off the franchise. How bad do you have to be to kill off a all star Wars franchise and a bloody mass effect franchise all in one year? Well, you know, it's an impressive job. Someone's got to do it. Yeah. Unbelievable. 
Anyway, those were the four most disappointing games. <laughs> <laughs> we need a show next year, like a separate like prologue. I, I know. Top I know, ten I disappointments of the year. We're 40 minutes <laughs> in. <laughs> yeah, I, I do apologise. I will go through my honourable mentions. Again, this has been a great year. As such, there are more honourable mentions I normally would have, but I'll get through them quite quickly. So, uh, Fortnite, Battle Royale. I'm really enjoying that game. I'm giving it an honourable mention because one, technically, that game isn't out yet. And two, technically, the Battle Royale mode isn't actually the main part of the game. But (laughs) it's the free part. But that's how you do microtransactions, by the way. You have a great free game. I then went and spent $7.99 to get the season pass to get the extra costumes and stuff. I paid that money because I was enjoying the game that I got for free. That's how you do that. Um, so that was enjo- that's enjoyable. Zelda Breath of the Wild. Ooh. I, it's not in my top ten because I don't... Having played about 25 hours of it, I don't actually think I've played enough. Holy shit, I haven't, so, I haven't played that much and it's probably in my top ten. <laughs> it is in my top ten, um, I'll just go ahead and say. <laughs> I was going to say. <laughs> Spoiler. Uh, so, so um, yeah, so uh, that game is great and it is... I'm not a massive Zelda fan. I I appreciate its legacy. Um, I think what they did, although not perfect, I think what they did with the uh, Switch version of that, or the Wii U version if you want as well, um, fantastic and very, very bold to, to take an open world and actually make it an open world, not hand-holding anybody um, and letting players explore it in their own way. You know, you want to go somewhere on the map, you've got to find it first. You've got to use your spyglass and tag it. That's awesome. That's a really, really good way to do an open world. So for that, goes on my honorable list. Um, Binding of Isaac, Switch version. Can't be game, can't be in the game of the year list because technically that game's two years old. However, it came out this year on the Switch and I played about 60 hours of it. I love Binding of Isaac. Um, Skyforce Reloaded, which is a game only recently come out. It's a shmup, like a, the old style, like 1943 uh, uh, vertical slot, uh, scrolling shoot 'em up. Um, really, really good. Just a lot of fun. It gets a bit grindy, especially as you get further and it gets sort of more difficult to, to level up your ship and the, the power-ups and stuff like that. It can be a bit grindy, but I have spent a lot of time on that game. Um, Cuphead. Cuphead was awesome looks amazing music is phenomenal and it's a really really fun game to play couch yeah. co-op with i really want um, to get that game i haven't played it yet me i mean me and laura need to play it some more we've done like the first world together and we've done it on hard and it's it's amazing because i don't play well with others even laura i get very <laughs> i get very antsy and very frustrated if i'm playing with somebody else and it doesn't go according to plan However, we spent hours on Cuphead, playing it on the most difficult setting, trying to learn the patterns, and we had a whale of a time. And it never felt frustrating. It never felt like the game was cheating because of the way of its design. It's because you just haven't learned the patterns correctly. It's you that's fucked up, not the game. And for that, it, it was just great. I would recommend that game to anybody. I haven't played it single player, amazingly. Apparently, it's more difficult single when you play it single player, but, you know, it's still worth a, worth a go. And then finally, 
Assassin's Creed Origins. Um, I'm not putting this on my top ten. So, I mean, I've played quite a few hours of it. I haven't finished it yet. I've played probably sort of maybe 15, 16, 17 hours. Um, it's... I like the setting. I like Bayek as a character. I actually like the story as well, um, except the, the the current sort of future story part. That bit's rubbish. But um, it, I still can't get to grips with the combat. I really preferred the old style, which was very more Batman Arkham-esque kind of parries and counters and stuff like that. I prefer that. And so it kind of just taken the edge off a little bit for me. But still, it's a, it's... A well-made game. There are no invisible faces here. Fair play for taking the year off. And I hope they do the same. And we're not going to get another Assassin's Creed this year. I feel like that at this point, it's a one game every two year kind of deal. So, fingers crossed. Um, so, to my top ten. Um, I'm sure there's no guesses what number one will be, but we'll work backwards from number ten. Um, so, at number ten... Sniper Elite 4. Wow. Yep. That game, just solely for the the, the X-ray ball bag shots. Um, <laughs> yeah, I've played an older version of that game. <laughs> <laughs> that, um, I mean, that's not just for that. I really enjoyed Sniper Elite 3. And I think the they, they gave Sniper Elite 4 more of an open world feel. It was still missions and maps, but... With Snowball Elite 3, you kind of got directed and, and funneled through a particular um, uh, way through the map. And yes, it kind of opened up a little bit in sort of slightly larger areas where you could tackle things slightly differently. But they take it to a next level with Sniper Elite 4. The, the maps are a lot bigger, um, a lot more varied, and it made it a lot more enjoyable. And of course, you just can't get enough of those x-ray shots. So you just, no matter how many times you see it it's so satisfying watching somebody's oval split in half it's great <laughs> so for that it makes it onto my top top 10 list um number nine everybody's golf best golf game there is on this current generation and admittedly there aren't that many but you have got things like Rory McIlroy and um, power star golf and um the golf, club. golf club yeah everybody's golf kind of just puts that everybody's golf into it it's kind of it's got its own unique look style and feel and with the new iteration adding things like kart racing and fishing and just this online portal where you can just go onto a uh, a green and and if someone's on there you can just tee up together and and have a little I think that's great. Also, I really like the the way that they do it. Like, you're leading up to a boss battle. I kind of like that. Where, you know, you've got, you work your way up through the the class, and at the end, you've you've got this, you know, expert, so to speak, to go up against. And some of them are quite difficult. Some, you know, some of the cool things they do, like um, smaller. a T or not T's, uh, smaller holes and, and large ones and whirlwind ones. And I, it's just fun and it's colorful and it looks really nice on the PS4 Pro. Um, definitely the best golf game there is on current generations. And I think 
I mean, we've seen, like, Maury McElroy, that was, like, what's that, three years old at this point. They've not gone back to that well. It was a bit of a failure. Golf Club seems to be doing okay, but I never really got on with the first one. I know the second one, um, has, I think, came out earlier this year. I never really got on. It felt too sim-like, because it is meant to be quite a, a bit of a sim, like much like, like a, a Forza is to motorsport, uh, you know, the golf club is to, to golfing. And I don't want that from my golf game. I want something with a little bit more of a light-hearted approach to it. And, and everyone's golf, everybody's golf is that perfectly. Uh, number eight, Injustice 2. Mm. I didn't think I'd put this game on the top ten. And I know it'll be up much higher on Ken's, but I had a lot of fun. And I don't play multiplayer because I'm not very good. Um, I can't pull off all of these cool stunts. But what's great about Injustice 2 is that, one, it had a cracking single player, very comic booking. It really did kind of um, lean into that. It knew what it was. It knew it was a story for a fighting game based upon a comic book and it never took itself too seriously it looked amazing again on the pro the uh, the animation the facial animations the character models were marvelous and if you didn't play multiplayer it still had a hook to keep you playing through the the the, the tower system yeah. so these challenges would refresh whether it be daily or weekly and it would give you a reason to go back in and, and play. That, to me, was awesome. Just that little bit of extra um, longevity. And so for that, it goes in my top ten. Next up is Steamwell Dig 2. Steamwell Dig. What more can I say? That, those, I mean, Image and Form are, without a doubt, my favourite developers. And I so hope they continue down the the, the SteamWorld hole, so to speak. I mean, SteamWorld Dig, SteamWorld Dig 2, SteamWorld Heist, amazing games, made with such love and care, and set in this fun, bizarre universe. And SteamWorld t- Dig 2, to me, felt like, and I put this in my review, it felt like a true sequel. It took everything that made the first game great, and enhanced upon it, made it bigger, added more stuff that was interesting, and and making your navigation through the caves more dynamic. Things like the, the grappling hook, which added more puzzle-solving elements to to the the mines than ever before. So to me, it felt like an actual sequel, not just because the first one was popular, but because they had ideas and a story to tell and wanted to put it uh, put it in there again. And that's awesome. And again, I'm, I really hope they continue. Um, I'm really hoping that they go and tackle an RPG because I'd love to see what they do with like a SteamWorld RPG. Um, we'll have to wait and see um, uh, what they're up to next. Uh, number six, Horizon Zero Dawn. Uh, either of you played this? Oh, yes. Didn't have enough time to put into it, sorry. Um, it's, in my, it's on my list. Ah, lovely. Um, again, this is this is from the people who made Killzone. Can you believe it? <laughs> I like Killzone. Yeah, but I'm so different. But it's, 
it is a first-person shooter. True. This is not. This is very different, and it's it's an interesting world. I mean, with I, I didn't mind. What was the last one that they released? The one that launched Killzone, Shadowfall. Yeah, Shadowfall. I I didn't mind that as uh, as first-person shooters go. I thought it was very pretty, and and having loaded it up recently, it actually still looks really nice. But to go from that and then to come into this massive third-person kind of uh, open world with, you know, a brand new IP with um, this intriguing story about the future of the world and an interesting character with um, an interesting technology and these dinosaurs, where did they come from? I, It was, it took me by surprise. I, I was looking forward to it. I just didn't think they would be able to pull it off in the way that they did, but they did. Now, there were some issues I had with it. I didn't like the navigating the map wasn't fantastic. Um, and I did end up doing a lot of um, sneaky kills using your whistle kind of thing. Um, once you'd learned that and you kind of got it to a point where some of the bigger creatures would actually, you could one hit stealth kill them it did kind of lose its interest a little bit. But that is, I mean, again, a, a massive open world where you have a big playing field in which to take down your enemies, set traps, go at it in different ways. The tower system, whereas a lot of games, you climb a tower and survey the system, well, these towers weren't just towers, they were moving puzzles. Some real interesting stuff. I haven't played the frozen wilds yet and i'm not sure how different that uh, or what that adds to it but I, it's definitely something i will be picking up at some point because i had a lot of fun with um with the main game and it's nice to see an, an ip not a new ip not do just do well because it did but turn out really well on their first attempt you know you sometimes get these new ips and i mean look at watchdogs uh, Watch Dogs, the first game in that series, is, is it's not great. And they really picked up the pace with the second one. It's a shame the second one didn't sell as well, but um, I felt they'd made great improvements. Well, normally you, you, that first game is like a little bit of a proof of concept. You know, this is, we've got this idea. It might be a bit janky to start off with, but we're just testing the wars. Well, I don't think that was the case with Horizon Zero Dawn. I felt, felt that it... I- I agree with you, John. I think it's a very, very polished game. Yeah, absolutely. And again, I I know it makes a difference, but on a pro, that thing looks absolutely gorgeous. Um, And, you you know, there was a a month and a half of nothing but, um, you know, photo modes on my uh, my Twitter feed. And and for good reason. It was very pretty. And I liked Aloy. I know not everyone got on with her. I felt the voice acting was really well done. And she was a likable character. You actually, especially during those opening scenes where you're actually controlling her as she's growing up and 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 discovering the that the, the, that cauldron in the first place with the with the little uh, I can't remember what they call it the little triangle thing that uh, she keeps with her and and, and helps her on the travels. Um, it it was a nice way of being introduced to this character for empathising with her. Um, when certain things happen in the story, I felt for her because they've done a great way of introducing you and and um, 
making the, char- the character grow on you. Uh, number five is Uncharted, The Lost Legacy, which um, was, I think, better than I thought it would ever be. When they originally announced that there would be some single-player DLC um, for Uncharted 4, um, I didn't know what to expect. Uh, I bought the se- I bought the collector's edition, so I got the season pass, which was nice because I didn't pay anything for the Lost Legacy at that point. Um, but then they showed it. Off. Was it? Uh, it was at um, PSX last year, wasn't it? They showed it off like that that little opening bit with Chloe and when you, the reveal. I'm sure that was at uh, PSX last year. Um, what I liked about it is that I I really enjoyed Uncharted Four. Gave it. You know, it was my number two game of last year. Yeah, my and, number one last year. Uh, but you didn't play Tokyo Mirage Sessions. Um, I know. So, <laughs> but, in my defence, that's why it was number one, you know. <laughs> absolutely. Um, so, I I didn't want... I thought they ended the Nathan Drake saga really well. Um, some people say it had, like, the case of the... Return of the Kings, where the ending was a bit too long. I don't think so. I thought that was really perfectly done. And I didn't want to see Nathan Drake in another adventure. I thought if they do that, they are really just kind of trying to milk that cow. And I I, I don't want to see that arc of his from start to finish ruined because they want to sell some more copies of Uncharted. Um. And I honestly thought the way that, and this is a spoiler for Uncharted 4, it's over a year old, so I don't care. Um, I thought the way that Uncharted 4 ended, I thought the DLC was going to be Sam and, um, oh God, my memory's failing me. Cigar smoking. Sully. 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 Thank you. I was thinking Vic. That's Victor Sully, isn't it? Yeah. Um, is it Victor Sully? Yeah. Anyway, I thought it was going to be Sam and Sully and on like a side adventure because there's a little nod to them going off and doing something at the end of Uncharted 4. Um, but when they announced it was going to be Chloe and... Um, Nadine. Nadine, thank you. I tell you what, it's Alzheimer's. <laughs> Don't ever get old. <laughs> um, it, it piqued my interest a little bit. And what we got was a kind of a condensed version of Uncharted it wasn't a 20 hour epic like Uncharted 4 it was trim at about 9 to 10 hours it was well written some fantastic um, set pieces and admittedly a couple of them did feel a little bit reused from previous Uncharted games there is a section with involves jumping from car to car which obviously has been done previously before, but it didn't take away from my enjoyment. The story was really well done, and I felt that those two characters at the end of it made me feel, you know what, I would happily play another Uncharted game with these two in them. Question. Mm. I've never played that game. I haven't even played Uncharted 3. Okay. I've seen screenshots of that game where the two main characters are making these really dumb faces. What is that? Uh, there's a photo. Oh, that's photo the photo mode. mode. Okay. Yeah, so basically, um, 
there are a couple of sections. Uh, well, there are parts when you go through and play through it. There are parts where you can actually just um, press a button and she and, and Chloe pops out her phone and takes a photo because the scenery's nice. But you can also do it at any point, and you can do it with other characters so that they and get them to pull faces. It's quite cute, um, and it's it's not the draw of that game, but it, it it's still Uncharted. At the end of the day, it's still um, you know shootouts and and rope swinging and and uh, big explosions and jumping from crumbling building to crumbling building. Uh, there's some slight differences. There's kind of an open open world section. I wouldn't say it's open world. It's just more of an enlarged area, sort of halfway through the game, where you can explore. And if you explore all of the areas, you get a little trinket that helps you find collectibles, which is quite cool. Uh, you don't have to do it. You can just carry on with the story and. and leave that behind but i i did it all and because again it was just nice to be playing in the uncharted universe not playing as nathan drake but still having these two very charismatic characters bounce off of one another now of course there are twists and turns with the story as you'd expect um but i think it ends up really really nicely they do ex, you know exploration party you know i don't want to see that again i i would like to see them work on something in that universe with some of the characters we may know and love but leave nathan alone at least in the story sense because he's done his part there's no harm in him coming back for a cameo or two but and and i just felt that you know the the 10 hours that i played was it's just right it didn't overstay its welcome and yeah, for the price, I mean, what was it, 20 quid, 25 Yeah, bucks? 20 quid, it was well worth the money. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I played that in two sittings because I, I couldn't stop playing it. So that's awesome. Um, number four is Yakuza 0, which is um, Yakuza I've never played before. So this was my first Yakuza game, and I played it because... Well, it was zero. It was like I didn't need to know anything about the previous four, five games. Five. It was five games before this, wasn't it? Um, because this was set before all of them. And it's <laughs> even though it feels like a very shiny PS2 game, um, I really enjoyed it. I, it was bonkers. There was some really bizarre, like, it's not the main story. The main story's fine, um, but it's it's the stuff in between. Like, you, like the side stuff, you just bump into people and they ask you to do the most random things. And it's completely weird. Like, one of them is like, you, a guy can't cross a bridge because three members of this biker gang... Um, he was wearing a coat that was similar to theirs or something, and you helped beat them up so he can pass through. And it's like, what? It's just weird. And it's that craziness. Yeah, yeah um, it's always been that way. And that was really interesting. Uh, the combat's not great. Um, it, I mean, they have got these different stances that you can do, so you've got three different styles, and it's you, you kind of, the game is split up into... Um, two characters, uh, um, I go, how am I meant to remember these? Uh, Kiru, 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 
I think it's one of them is Kiru, and the other one is Kazuma Kiryu mm, and Majima. Uh, 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 Majima, and the chapters flip between them, but eventually their the, the sto- their paths will cross throughout uh, in the story, and they've each got three styles of fighting. They're slightly uh, different, and that was okay. Um, and it can be a bit repetitive because it is just kind of these brawls, uh, whether it's like random encounters in the street or whether it's part of a story and you're having to beat up, you know, 30 Yakuza. Um, but it, it, that didn't matter. It was fun playing it. And it was fun. It kind of like a culture shock, just this beautifully realized uh, Tokyo and the weird characters it inhabited and your interactions with them and the side stuff. I mean, you know, phone and sex lines and watching um, dirty movies and and, uh, going to a shop and buying just weird stuff and and you've got a, a, a guy that runs a diner that makes your weapons or go hunt for parts for them. It's, it's all just a little bit kooky. And for, for me, that was what that game was about. Uh, there were certainly better action games out there, but none as weird as that. And I'm looking forward to... I haven't started Kiwami yet, so uh, I'm looking forward to, to diving back in because it's later this year that six is out isn't it so i'm not sure if they're going to remaster any of the others hopefully so that would be nice um number three super mario odyssey now that's a super mario game (laughs) i don't really need to see much to be fair say much to be fair um most people have played it Uh, certainly most people have got a switch um me I haven't got a Switch either. Uh, Okay. It's, I mean, I, I never played like the 3D World games, or I did, but only a little bit on the Wii U. And it was fun. Um, but it wasn't a Mario game. It wasn't like everybody wanted, which was, you know, some new Mario 64 style game. And, and this is what Super Mario Odyssey is. It is a, a new version of one of those, just with a really unique mechanic and with a lot of love and care. I mean, things like, I mean, the, the, the cappy thing, the, the possessing of the characters, that's a great mechanic on its own, but the amount of kind of throwbacks to Mario's history that they, they put in, I'm not going to spoil too much in here, but there's a, uh, the kind of end game in New Donk City is just, a joy to behold. It's just, again, words can't describe it, and I don't want to spoil it for anyone who hasn't come across it yet, but it was just simply amazing. And, and then when you complete the game, well, you've not really completed it. We're going to take you back to a place you love, and you're going to do it all over again, and you're going to love every minute of it. Fantastic. And the different types of worlds, um, you know, from New Donk City, you've got, uh, the, you know, the seaside one and they're varying the size I mean some of them are huge some of them are tiny the amount of moons and you know you look up in one area and you can see a moon on a platform high high up in the sky and then you think how the earth am I going to get that and you find out and it's like that's amazing and it's 
again, so much love and care and attention to detail and the mechanics are absolutely sound. It feels like you remember Mario 64 playing, if you, if you know what I mean. It, it doesn't feel like Mario 64. It feels like how you remember it felt like playing. So, cracking all-round job. And that's the kind of game that I'll keep on giving because there is, you know, you, you can, again, you complete the main game and, and this, that's just opening up. You've got so much more to do. And I can see why a lot of games, uh, you know, why that's garnishing a lot of Game of the Year awards. Uh, it's certainly worth picking up if you have a Switch. It's certainly worth buying a Switch for. I mean, if you look at what's out on the Switch, you know, even, you know, Zelda, Mario Kart and, and Super Mario. That's that's worth the entry price alone, I think. Um, number two, South Park: The Fractured But Whole. Another game I have not played. Like, did you play Sick of Truth? Parts of it, and I haven't finished it. Okay, it's, it, I enjoyed Sick of Truth, and it was one of those games I played a while back. I stopped playing it, and then when I pre-ordered The Fractured But Whole, you get you got the like remark the, the xbox one version essentially right for free and so i, I played that and, and enjoyed it fractured but whole is so much more better than the stick of truth the it's still an rpg and it is a simplified kind of tactical rpg so instead of just you know characters against characters you know working in a on a grid and characters can move certain spaces and their attacks can uh, affect certain squares in this grid. So it's all about lining your heroes up so that they're going to do the most damage to the most uh, enemies. But it's all simplified. You don't. I mean, I hate like tactics games. I really don't get on with them. Um, but this is done in a way that's introduced easily doesn't get too overcomplicated and allows you to have fun with it it's like your character isn't tied to a certain class and even you know you can spot as as the game progresses you unlock more classes as you uh do that you can swap between the powers you don't have to take like oh I'd you know, it's not just okay, swapping from one class to another. You can actually cherry pick their moves and their special abilities and just add it to your character, which makes it a little bit more versatile. You can find the, 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 the abilities and powers that you like and enjoy and go with that. You've got a long um, line of uh, friends that you can call in, drop in, drop out. Uh, well, no, sorry, not drop in, drop out. You can uh, mix and match them at the beginning of the... The, each battle so you can call them in um, each with their own unique uh, attacks patterns and, and special abilities all of course done in the South Park style of humour so you know a lot of fart gags and and rather risque material um, it just I mean the story's bonkers it, it is a South Park episode essentially um, it's certainly a lot longer experience. It took me about 20 hours as opposed to like the like kind of 9 or 10 in the first game. Uh, but it goes through some highs and lows. 
majority of it the last land and it does get very interesting to, as as you get towards the end and you start um having some real uh, challenging battles and again you know you you've kind of played through the game they're, they're okay they're not super difficult but they're okay um you get into the story and then at the end you get like a couple of areas that are full on difficult and it kind of really puts you to the test of like you've been leading up to it. Uh, you've been training, uh, to, to, to get through them. So that's kind of super cool. And you also get to, to fight Morgan Freeman. So, you know, what's not like, what's not, what's not to like about that? Beat up Morgan Freeman. Yeah. And he's, he's, he's one, no, he's the, most difficult character to be. It's an optional thing, and he is without a doubt the most powerful. And it took me a while to do, um, but it is quite funny, <laughs> um, especially because of his fart powers. He's got a lot of fart powers, and so good. Um, and I guess I don't need. To, I probably don't even need to tell you what number one is. Oh come on! Tell me anyway. Persona <laughs> five. <laughs> I can't figure. It was going to be Persona 5. It was always going to be Persona 5. Um, I don't know what to say about this game. Uh, 100 and, I think over 140 hours. Um, I played through it twice. Back to back. It consumed my life for about a month. And it's probably the greatest RPG I've ever played. Um, Damn. Yeah, if you like RPGs, you have to play this game. You, you just have to. Um, it it was just perfect. It really was. I the characters, the the music was amazing. But that's the the one thing I still hum the the main tune. It's like it. I mean, admittedly, it was playing in my head for about a month, but. It was. It, I never got bored of it. And um, at the Game Awards, the VGAs, the orchestra opened with it, and I nearly wet myself. And they only played a small bit of it, but that's how emotional I got with that music. The music was great. The characters, I mean, yes, they are your typical anime-style characters, but they really were... You know, they weren't just these 2D characters. You know, all right, yeah, they were 2D, but you know what I mean? Um, They weren't just these two-dimensional characters. You really did get a sense that they all had their own ambitions. And yes, some of them were to be an idol and things like that. But you cared about these characters because of the bonds that you made between, uh, you know, being at school with them, helping them through their kind of... um, Sort of dark, dark phase or shadow phase, and oh, the shadow selves, and then having them fight with you was uh, great. And they all have their own different styles. You've got um, kind of uh, much like with um, Persona Four, you kind of have these group attacks which are really super cool. You've got a talking cat that turns into a bus. That's also cool. Yeah. 
Um, it just, I don't know, it just, everything about it was great. And I, I know it will be a while before we see Persona 6. And it would be really cool if they'd done like a Persona 5 Golden version, like on the Vita, although that's very unlikely because nobody plays on the Vita anymore. Um, but I, I do miss that world and that amount of time and I would like to go back and play it again I just it's like 80 hours of time and I don't I don't know um, whether I have that time again um, it's again much like I mean Tokyo Mirage Sessions was my, my game of the year last year um, and it, it just goes to show that there is something about that team and the games that they make that just resonate with me. I really hope that Tokyo Mirage Sessions comes out for the Switch at some point, um, which, you know, is always a possibility because I would like to, again, to experience that kind of RPG, just the the just the just slightly different take on I mean, I know there are plenty out there, especially JRPGs, and some of them just feel stale. You know, they've been doing it for years. You've, these Persona games, uh, the Tokyo Mirage Sessions last year, they just inject some much needed fun and Japanese 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 Japaneseness <laughs> to them. Japanese Japanese Jap- I can't even say that word. Glorious Japanese Nippon. There you go. Um, <laughs> it, it kind of I don't know, it kind of reinvigorates the genre for me. And I mean they yes, there are little mechanics to them and but they're still at their core an RPG, uh, a JRPG, but it's how they present it and how the game pulls you in into that story, into that world. Um, it isn't just about a crystal that's going to save the world. It, I mean, yes, there is obviously elements of like um, evil and wrongdoing and all of that sort of thing on a, in some cases, global scale in in uh, Persona 5 it's more kind of localised to Tokyo but still um, it, it it's still that kind of story but it feels more fresher, it feels like it's been reinvigorated for me um, and I, I couldn't not give it to Persona 5 had to, huh? had to be done there you go I will shut up now, you carry on because that's what we were an hour and a half in at this point <laughs> <laughs> yeah I uh I the random number generator had me go next, so so if you're last, okay, I'm gonna rattle through mine relatively quickly. Um, All right, man, because I have another hour and a half to add to what John said. So if you could, that <laughs> oh boy, I'm just kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. <laughs> I got somewhere to be. <laughs> All right, so start off with my disappointments. We've already talked about Destiny Two. I'm not gonna say another word about it. Um. The other disappointment, and I think I may be the only person here that played it, Friday the 13th, the game. You were, I didn't play that. I, no, I, I was actually excited for this game because I'm a big fan of the horror genre and I've watched every Friday the 13th movie. Uh, my God, uh, the Xbox One version, which was the one that I reviewed, was broken all to hell and back, and it was broken all to hell and back for three months. I held my review for over a month and a half 
because I was like, I'm going to give this game a fair shake. The fair. Did shake, you give it a fair shake? The, the fair shake I gave it was it was still broken. <laughs> so yeah, uh, it had some great ideas that weren't implemented very good. Uh, the multiplayer, the online was completely broken, and you can't play single player. There is no single player. There may be some now. I don't know. I know they said they were going to patch one in, but um, I understand it was a small development team. Uh, but jeez, man, you should have let this cook in the oven for another six months or so. But uh, those are my two disappointments. Honorable mentions: uh, uh, Keaton Two which is kind of like a arcadey monster hunter ish kind of game. Uh, had a few missteps. I don't think they should, they shouldn't have had the open world in it. Uh, they should have just left it kind of standard like a monster hunter or the original Takedan. still enjoyed it. Uh, it was still a fun game, very deep in some aspects. Uh, dishonored death of the outsider. Uh, you can ask anybody that knows me. I hate dishonored. I can't get along with it at all. But uh, I reviewed Death of the Outsider, and I enjoyed it. It was it's it's I'm still not much of a sneaky person. I'll just go in and just kill people, and that works for me. Uh, next honorable mention is Mages of Mistralia. Um That's a fun little game. It's very small. A lot of people probably don't even know about it. But um, never heard of it. Yeah, it's it's fun. It's uh. It's a kind of like a, a Zelda-ish game. Um, you uh, you play as a little mage uh, going around different areas, and um, you solve puzzles and do a lot of combat sequences using different types of spells, and you can kind of alternate your spells and alter them in certain ways so they, they affect things differently. Neat little game. Uh, and then my last honorable mention, which is a game I still think a lot of people should play, is Get Even. Uh, Get Even came out of nowhere. And uh, Ken asked me to review it, and it looked like a generic first-person shooter uh, with maybe some horror elements in there. And it kind of is, but the presentation of that game and what is going on in that story is great and if anything the sound design and the way music is used in that game is phenomenal whoever did the music and the sound design in that game is a genius I highly suggest playing Get Even um, what platforms are on? Uh, PC, uh, Xbox One and PS4 I believe yeah, cool so, uh, my top 10 games. Uh, number 10, Prey. Great game. I really never liked Prey. That was the, I own it. You, know, you own I, it, but I you played never it. played it. <laughs> yeah, it came free with my, um, when I bought the Pro. Ah, you need to play that game. Oh, no, did it? You did do it? need to play it. Yeah. Prey. No, I did come out with the Pro. That was, uh, I got it cheap because uh, my friend got it with his Pro and didn't want it, so he sold it to me for a tenner. That there was you it. Go. That's a great investment, John. Yeah, oh, that okay. is that is a, a f- pretty good f- survival horror. I would say survival horror, but it, it does lean toward action as well. Um, yeah, that's my only concern because I'm a 
octopus, so I don't like. Yeah, it's not really scary. It's not scary. It's more of a survival-ish game because you 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 do have limited resources, and there's times where you know you're just stuck with a freaking wrench, but you get these powers that allow you to, you know, just look at a different a situation in a different way. So instead of just going head on, you could go somewhere else and. Uh, everything's kind of interconnected. Like, how do you get there? And then there's like multiple ways to get there, and you didn't even realize it, kind of thing. There's a great oh, okay. Easter egg as well. Like, um, that ends the game really. That ends the game kind of early. So yeah, it, Ooh, it's okay. just cool. It's it's got a ton of surprises. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Number nine is a hat in time. Uh, oh, I need to play that. That is a great Super Mario sixty four clone. It's really Laura's, fun. Uh, Laura bought it and played it on the PC because it came out there first. And then um, when it hit Xbox, she has picked it up. So I can actually give it a play at some point. There you go. Definitely play that. That's a that's a really fun platformer. Uh, number eight, Wolfenstein 2, The New Colossus. Um, that game goes places. Uh, <laughs> that, that, game was, that game goes places that I didn't expect. So, uh, I don't want to spoil anything because that is relatively new. It came out in October, but, um, I was just like, wow, really? They're going to do that? Are you talking about the beginning? Well, they did the beginning part. That was, that was wild. But about halfway through, uh, you get to choose an upgrade. And the thing that happens right before that, I was like, what? Really? <laughs> <laughs> and, oh, I think I think I, I yeah I think I know what that is and yeah that is bizarre. Yeah, they they go some crazy places with that game. Uh, there's some issues with it. The shooting sometimes I feel feels off. The you getting shot indicator is bad. Mm. I, I really dislike how a guy can hit me from a mile away and I have no idea where he is. And it happens a lot in that game. Uh, number seven is Everybody's Golf. Yay! That is a fantastic golf game. Uh, sounds like I need to get that game. You need to get that game. That is one of the best sit-down-and-chill-out games. You want to sit There's down... There's a very good and, chance it's probably in, in the January sale as well. Yeah, it's it's great. It really is. That's that's a fantastic sports game. Uh, it's very arcadey. Uh, and it does a good job of teaching you about the game of golf. Like there's a guy. Oh yeah, because you've got yeah the question master. Yeah, you got the yeah, question cause... master guy at in the hub, and every once in a while he'll ask you questions about golf, and I'm just like, I don't actually know the answer to this, and he teaches you about golf. I was like, that's great, because I don't know golf. I just that's added value, isn't yeah. it? It's great. <laughs> um, number six, uh, Danganronpa V3 Killing Harmony. Played this for Phoenix Down uh, when it came out. Uh, a huge fan of Danganronpa, uh, the series completely, and uh, the anime, everything about it interconnected. It's really, really good. Um, I, If you go back and listen to The Phoenix Down, I didn't like how that game ended as much as I wanted to. Um, we'll see where it goes from there, if it goes from there. I don't know. Um, but still... It's a continuation. I mean, it's it's more Danganronpa, and that is one of the best visual novels I've ever played. Uh, I highly suggest it to people. 
Uh, number five, The Legend of Zelda Breath of the Wild. I did not play a lot of this game. or, or Well, I did not play a lot of this game. I played a lot of it, but I didn't play enough. Um, <laughs> I was able to uh, do a Divine Beast, see what like the bosses and stuff like that have to offer. The sheer amount of things you can do in that game and the attention to detail is really what sets that game apart. The things that you just like, I wonder if I could do this, and you totally can do it. There's so many moments like that in this game. And there's so many different ways to tackle a, a dungeon or uh, even just a, like a trial or something like that. They're really, really good. That game has thought of everything. Uh, number four, Injustice 2. I'm a big DC fan. Uh, I'm a pretty big fighting game fan. Not much on NetherRealm uh, style games, but I really like this game. Uh, the story mode was great. The single player is robust. And, uh, you know, the online works. I play it sometimes. Not very good at it. Makes me feel <laughs> bad about myself. But Injustice 2, I mean, like, the facial animations are stellar in that game. Um, the story is really fun. It's very comic booky and just, just, it just, it really just, it just oozes fan service. And if you're a DC fan, there's nothing better out there for you to check out. It kind of made me bad because I'm more of a Marvel guy than a DC guy. And obviously, the Marvel versus Capcom just doesn't do it for me yet. I just kind of wish there was a fighting game like Injustice, but for the Marvel Universe, that'd be amazing. Yeah. NetherRealm knows how to do a story mode in a fighting game. Oh, yeah. Yeah, they do a really good job with that. Uh, but number three... A game that I don't know if anybody else will mention. Hand of Fate 2. I was a huge fan of the Hand of Fate. The original. Uh, I know it had its issues. Everybody says this, you know. Jay likes to say it is budget Batman combat. And it is. Um, Hand of Fate 2 improves on that slightly. Uh, but they also add so many more layers to that game. And the dealer that's constantly talking to you is just so charming. And so fun to listen to. He always comments on everything you do and uh, just the aspects of building your own deck of encounters and then seeing them come to fruition while playing the game. It's really satisfying. It's really fun. I highly suggest that game to anybody. It's really, really good. Uh, my number two, another game that's been mentioned, Persona 5. Yay. Persona 5 is a great role-playing game. Um, they There's so many things to do in that game. They, I mean, they added like a full-on dungeon that you don't even have to do, uh, but you want to do it because you got to find out what's at the end. You know? Yeah, you kind of have to do it. And um, but yeah, no, it's just great. I mean, it's a you know the music, like you said, the music. Persona has always had good music, um, but it's it's just a quality role-playing game it has tons of style um just even like the color scheme and how they use it for menus and stuff like that is thought mm -hmm. out it's just so really really good and it's it's a jrpg that i think anybody can get into and understand like you could you could sit this down with somebody who doesn't play that many rpgs and be like okay i get this this is fun mm. 
so many intricacies of that game and so many different ways to to you know fuse personas and equip your characters and all these different strategies and every dungeon and every boss changes things up no dungeon is the exact same and my number one which i don't know uh, sophie may have this on her list i'm not certain um resident evil 7 biohazard great game resident evil 7 snuck in at the beginning of last at the beginning of the year didn't it, it did. january it did Resident Evil 7 made me remember how good the original Resident Evils are. Before they turned into action games. and I love Resident Evil. That is one of my favorite franchises. Resident Evil 4 is a fantastic game. But they dropped that sense of urgency. They dropped that sense of survival and the the scariness of those games for a more action-based they went back to the roots with this one. Resident Evil 7 is so good. It is so good. It, it made me feel scared again. And I haven't had that in a long time. I, you know, and I was originally kind of, you know, taken back. Oh, it's in first person. It's a first person shooter. And I was like, I don't know how I feel about that. And it works. I still. I, I can't imagine this game being third person, but I still would have liked to see them go completely classic with this game. But they, you know, they obviously they had a different route that they went with. I think the, I think what really sells the first person to me in my experience, like, I don't know how well the first part of the game would have worked with a third person. Cause I agree with you. I think it, the first part of this game, when you're in the house, to me, is the, the best part of the game. Oh, yeah. And the the sense of tension. And like you say, like I could feel my heart racing. And I think that's the first person that does that, because you're trying to f- scramble for somewhere to hide. And I don't know if you'd have had that sense of realistic kind of almost fleeing if you were in a third person, right? The, the peripheral vision is just different. And... I think just kind of creeping along and looking around. You you can't play tricks with the camera in first person that you can, I think, sometimes with third person, right? So I think it it fit fit that part of the game for me at least really well. I don't think the first part in the house with the with the dad kind of stalking you would have felt quite as terrifying as it did, at least for me personally, um, if it hadn't have been first person. Yeah. They just they 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 nailed Resident Evil for me again, and I hope they stick with this because Resident Evil. If Resident Evil Eight turns out a lot like Resident Evil Seven, then I will be a happy camper because, man, it just it like even like when you went into the safe rooms and they played that safe room music, and I was like, okay, yeah, this is Resident Evil, man. I'm so I'm so into this, and uh, you know, I mean, let's not beat around the bush. I mean. Not a hero came out. It is connected to Resident Evil. They were thinking, oh, this might be just be a reboot, reboot or some kind. But no, it's definitely connected. And, you know, the way they connected it, uh, I still need to finish Not a Hero, but it's really good. And that's my game of the year list. Sophie, are you ready? I'm ready. 
Okay, let's do this. Who's who's ready to talk about Destiny 2 again? No. <laughs> okay, so disappointment of the year, Destiny 2, <laughs> we can do that. Um, I have one other disappointment, um, and for me that was Gran Turismo Sport. Hmm. Um, oh, I'm actually enjoying that now they've updated it. Yeah, I haven't played it since the update because I just um, I couldn't get into it. I didn't dig the whole online thing, and I thought, well, I know I knew what it was when I got it, but I kind of just I lied to myself a little bit because I wanted to talk myself into getting the game, and and I got kind of pretty bored with the the challenges pretty quickly, and I just it didn't well, feel like a it, it's it worth was going back. Okay, all right, that's good. Okay, so that's the semi disappointment. Um some honourable mentions and did not plays like I don't have a Switch so there's no Zelda or Mario or anything like that on my list it's not a you know didn't like them just didn't play them haven't had time to kind of get another console and and get stuck into games like that didn't play Persona 5 um, because if you're a listener of Phoenix Down you'll know that I had some issues with uh, Persona 4 Golden so I don't know like whether Persona is the franchise for me despite being a huge RPG fan but I don't know maybe when it's on sale I might give it a second chance because obviously you've both spoken pretty glowingly about it um, games I did like Sonic Mania as an honourable mention really enjoyed Sonic Mania um I, I kind of loved how they mashed up old level designs with with new kind of bits of the level. Has anyone did any of you did you guys play Sonic Mania? I, I watched not. Laura play it. Yeah, I really liked it. Like not a wondrously brilliant kind of top ten game of the year kind of game, but Sonic games have whiffed quite a lot in recent years, and this one had that kind of classic feel. You know, the speed and just. They kept it simple and it, and it just kind of clicked for me. Um, also, oh, the boss of the casino, the the casino zone, the the final boss of that is awesome. Just a cool game. Um, also, I want to give we've been slating, I think, or not, but I think rightfully critical of franchises that have seemingly kind of for whatever reason somehow managed to shoot themselves in the foot be it Destiny, Mass Effect, etc. Um, so I want to give an honourable mention to Call of Duty World War II, um, simply because this is the first Call of Duty that I've actually sat and played and continued to play for years and years and years. And I don't think Call of Duty, because it's that's always going to be a yearly franchise, it's never going to go back to, I guess, what I would consider to be its heyday of Modern Warfare 1 and 2, but they kind of went back to basics with this game the campaign's okay the multiplayer's actually genuinely really really fun and i'm not bored of it so i guess credit where credit's due um it is possible for these games to to improve so that's it um and i will go into my top 10 at number 10 is the game we were just talking about resident evil 7 so i completely agree with everything drew says i think um I did not enjoy the switch to the kind of more action-based style of 5 and 6. I loved the first part of Resident Evil 7. For me, why my why it's for me at number 10 instead of at number 1 is because I felt that the game kind of just did not be... was not as good as its opening kind of 
chapter which is in the house i think as soon as you leave the house to me for whatever reason it just falls a little flat um but i i agree with you uh, drew i hope that resident evil 8 kind of uses 7 as a template and and builds on the game from there because i think um they 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 made a bold change and it really paid off and as you say it's just got that feel of a classic resident evil game absolutely um number nine wolfenstein 2 again i agree with everything you said there drew um the other reason i really like the wolfenstein games is because to me it's great to have someone out there making just a straight up single player campaign not messing around with multiplayer or or trying to kind of stick multiplayer in where it doesn't belong or cater to to that kind of aspect it's just a great single player experience Number eight is Assassin's Creed Origins. Again, another franchise that needed a break and needed a bit of a reset. And I think this is a, it really delivered this year. Um, I like how huge the game is. I, I'm with you there, John. I've probably played maybe 20, 25 hours. Nowhere near finished. Nowhere near kind of opening up the whole map. Um, <laughs> it does feel repetitive once you get stuck in but i think the design of the world is incredible um the characterization is great as you said um i love the setting as well um i think ubisoft have done a a, a great great job Uh, again following it's another franchise that lost its way for a few years and it felt like they were just churning out and people were going to buy it based on the brand and you know eventually that stops working and i think a, a year off really has reinvigorated the franchise and i think um uh, yeah again I, i'm with you on the combat but um i'm willing to give it a pass for all the other things that it does well i'm excited to be in the world i love exploring and it feels like it's just a rewarding game um so yeah enjoying that number seven is lost legacy uncharted lost legacy um I won't kind of go into great detail again because, as I say, John, I'm, I'm with you on everything. I, I really like Chloe. She's one of my favourite characters from the franchise. Mm. Um, so the thing that I most liked about this game was the fact that her character got to be developed as a lead and we got to learn yeah. more about her and her background. Um, I like the relationship with Nadine and everything, but I, I would love to see um, Chloe Sullivan as a lead in another uncharted game i think she's one of the more interesting characters and i like that they they kind of fleshed her out a bit more you know as instead of just being um a former sidekick and nathan drake and and all of that you know she's a she, she's a more kind of well-rounded complicated character i think obviously yeah. the, the the acting Far is fantastic that. um just great I, I just really like her as a character um so yeah number six what remains of edith finch on the pc um so i i I read a comment about this game which i agree with which is this game probably would have had a hell of a lot more buzz if it had come out a couple of years ago um i think these kind of narrative driven walking sim type games really peaked with the kind of um everybody's gone to rapture and firewatch releases and this game kind of snuck in there but I found this to be a fantastic story and really kind of crazy. It's almost like playing a magical realism book. Um, It's 
really detailed, really beautiful. It kind of spans um, several generations of, of one family in this crazy kind of house, and you explore um, these stories from the perspectives of various members of this family. And the way it even treats things like mental illness, it I found it a really incredible game. Um, and I didn't quite... It, it, it's a game that has its full impact when you finish, if that makes sense. Um, the first scene, you're kind of like, what the hell is this? But as you go on, it just... It's just a, it's a wonderfully realised kind of nightmarish, but family tragic kind of, but also slightly inspirational story. Did, did either of you guys play this? Or? <laughs> no, I, I did yeah. not, it's, but it, it sounds so, like a mishmash. <laughs> it, oh, it, but it is, and it, it's it's so kind of it's. I don't want to really g- explain it by giving a set piece example because one that would just sound ridiculous out of context. And you'd be like, why would I play it? It sounds just absurd. And two, I don't want to spoil it. But it's just, it's a really fantastical kind of strange, eclectic game that I, I really honestly, and you probably get that, you have to experience it to, to get it. And I, it's not very long, um, but I, I really recommend picking it up and giving it a go because it's, it's just a great story. Um, number five, Forza Motorsport 7, which I have been playing on PC, um, and that has made up for the hole in my heart that was left by Gran Turismo Sport. Um, I mean, Forza's Forza, racing sim, looks great, plays great, loads to do, not much else to be said. It's just a really, really well-made game. Number four is Prey. I absolutely loved this game. Um, It's not a perfect video game, but the reason it's number four for me is because everything about that game speaks to things that I'm really interested in. I'm a huge science fiction fan. I'm a huge fan of narrative-driven games. I'm a huge fan of games that tell stories through not only kind of the actual narrative, but the environment. Um, one of the things I love the most about Prey is learning about this space station and learning about this character by interacting with the environment and everything in there. Um, yeah, they did a really good job of um, you're kind of like the the unreliable narrator a little bit. Absolutely. Yeah. You never know what's true. And you kind of... You can't I mean, the trust game, yourself even. <laughs> the game sets that up from its prologue you know it makes very clear from its prologue hey you can't even see you can't even believe what you are seeing from your perspective as the player going through this this world um yeah i i absolutely loved this game um and i just think that intro blew me away yeah and it, it yeah and it really rewards kind of taking the time to look around and absorb the entire kind of um, universe, you know, it it felt like the first Bioshock. Not to compare the two, but I mean in terms of, like, the first time you go into the world of Rapture, it's unlike anything, at least in my experience, Rapture was a great original kind of creation, and I felt that way when I was kind of on on Talos, right? Uh, Yeah. Yeah. 
I, I just loved it. I thought it was, and I like that there were several ways to play it, and I like that there were several endings, and yeah, just yeah, jo- ten pound, John, great deal. You need to, you need to. Get <laughs> I will. That. I'll get. I'll get on that. Yeah. It's not without its frustrations. Um, the ammo. It's not an easy kind of, game. Yeah. It's not. No, it's not easy, and sometimes the scarcity of it felt a little unbalanced at times because there were times when i'd think oh i've got a huge stockpile of ammo now i'm going to be set for the rest of the game and then all of a sudden there's nothing around and i'm totally screwed so yeah it's not an easy game but just great uh number three it's kind of i don't know maybe this is a cheeky get entry i don't know but wipeout omega collection um so technically three older games but packaged in one shiny mm-hmm. collection that came out this year. I, I'm a huge Wipeout fan. It's one of my favourite franchises of all time. That's a great um, game. I killed myself getting the Platinum of Wipeout HD back on the PS3. Um, I was quite happy to pick up this game and realise that muscle memory is real and I can still remember every turn and every barrel roll. So I was away. <laughs> um, looks fantastic. Um, plays fantastic. I think just as a racer just one of the best feeling racing games i've ever played in my life uh, just great games and it's nice to have them all um in one collection the v- the the vita game is obviously on there as well so great game uh number two is horizon zero dawn again i agree with everything you said um john it was just um a really refreshing surprise because it was one of those kind of new ips that the hype train was was rolling as soon as it was announced you got the impression that sony were plastering this front and center and it kind of would have sucked if the game had not been so great but it's it's a hard one really to evaluate because there's so much that this game it doesn't reinvent the wheel for what it does right um you know it's an open world kind of actiony game and and i agree after a while it becomes repetitive but i i loved the originality of the story i loved the design um it looks fantastic and more than anything else it was a world that i wanted to be in and spend time in um and so that's why again some of the more mundane aspects of the combat and the running around that that become repetitive after you play a game like this for 20 hours just didn't bother me i just loved spending time the only critique i'd have against this game really was that it was kind of easy i didn't Mm. find it to be too much of a challenge um but yeah i I really liked it um my number one game of the year by far and away is divinity original (laughs) sin 2 so good it's like probably the best rpg i've played on a pc maybe ever um, if you like RPG games, you have to play these games. Um, the first one uh, was great. It took me about 80 hours to finish. Jesus. Um, yeah. <laughs> but it, it didn't feel like 80 hours. Um, and this game, you don't really have to have played the first to get stuck in. It, it takes place like a thousand years later or something crazy like that. Um you can do anything you want in this game and you can play this game any way you want and you can try really hard to break the game but it won't let you um and so really if you like choice driven 
RPGs where every little action you take has an effect, this is the game for you. Um, you can play with pre-made origin characters that have their own stories to tell. You can create yourself a character from scratch. You can play with co-op. The combat is incredible. It's intuitive. It's challenging, but there are so many things to play with and so many crazy tactics you can use. There's so many elemental weapons and just a wonderful world to explore. Every character and every animal is voice acted. It's just one of the most well-realized universes that I've ever seen created in the RPG. And I mean, I could talk about this game for ages, but to me, it's just one of the most polished, most detailed, most in-depth kind of games I've I've ever played as an RPG. Um, it's just a fantastic story, and you can do whatever you want. That's a and game that's that I want to do. That's a game that I want to play. And I, I mean, I think you'd love it. I have Original Sin 1, and I told you I want to play that first, mainly because I want to experience... I know Original Sin 1 is good, but I can guarantee you Original Sin 2 is better. It is. And, and I want ex- not, yeah. Yeah, to experience the bad, quote-unquote, before I go into the good. You know what I mean? I mean, yeah, for sure. Like, I would give, I guess, I don't, Original Sin 9, 9.5, 10 out of 10. Um, but that, this being 2, but Original Sin 1 is is still an 8.5, 9, you know? Yeah. It it it's just every it's it's a fantastic game, but they've somehow taken everything fantastic from the first game, honed, polished, added to, kind of fleshed out, and it's just it's a masterpiece. It, it's an incredible game, and I think it's also games that you can play in spurts. You know, eight, eighty hours sounds intimidating. Um, you can play the game for. 20 hours go away for a month come back and and get stuck back in and it's just you can pick right up where you left off um if you like loot it's got loot if you like kind of you crazy party members like just so original just so great fantastic all right well let me jump into we have a tweet from uh, Silfo saying didn't play much that actually released in 2017 since I spent most of my time on the road with my Vita and PlayStation Plus titles. But a quick shout out goes to Danganronpa V3 and the Vita version of Papers, Please. Have a great show, guys. Um, uh, Anthony, I know you were going to, you said you claimed that you were going to send a, uh, a voicemail, but you said that you're not going to have a voicemail. I haven't received your email, so you may need to send that to podcasts at ztgd.com because I don't have the email, so I can't read it off. Maybe you were planning on doing that to begin with. Uh, but I do have one email, uh, for this. It, it comes from Jamie and it's her game of the years. It says here, happy new year. I think we can all agree that this was an an amazing year, excuse me, uh, for games. It was a big year for me, too, since I rarely get to play more than one or two new games. But this year, I managed seven. Although, I'm, uh, if I'm honest, that's a generous number. There were a few that I didn't play nearly enough to deserve putting on the list. I'm going to, any, I'm going to anyways, otherwise it would be very short. Now, since I have played more than ten... 
since I haven't played more than 10 games, I can't give you a top 10, so I decided to count down the ones I have played. Number seven, ukulele. This is one of those, this is one of the ones that I played a very little of. My kids, however, played quite a bit. It reminded me of games I used to play when I was a kid, like Spyro. It was a little trying because my kids always needed me to read the dialogue and all the sounds would get annoying, but it happened. That happens when you aren't the one playing the game. Number six, Mass Effect Andromeda. I don't think this game will be on any, many people's list and I'm not, entirely, <laughs> I'm not entirely sure if that's fair. I also, uh, didn't dev- devote nearly enough time to it, but that might be a reflection of the game itself. I love a big open world game, but I think they may have taken it a step too far. That, and it seems to me that all Bioware games have become known for, uh, more for who you can sleep with rather than the game is, is about. Fair. <laughs> I love Bioware though, and I would hate to say that it's a bad game, especially since I've only put it at around seven to eight hours in. I had hoped to get back to it over Christmas, but I have a feeling this game will be falling down the priority list for some time to come. Maybe you will have to cover it on the podcast sometime in the future. For the hours I did put into it, I did enjoy the planets I visited, and it was very pretty, but none of the characters stood out to me. There was no hook, so I suppose you could say. Number five, Persona 5. I know, I know, I'm about to cause some shit. I debated if I should get this game or not, considering my dislike for the previous one, but it looked so cool, so I had to get it. I was in love with this game when it started. It was pretty, and the music was just fantastic. I just loved it, until I finished my first dungeon. That's when I got bored, and remembered all the little things that drive me nuts about Persona 4. I really hate having to go hang out with my friends to build friendships and strengthen bonds. Sometimes it's just like busy work that leads to nothing. It also bothers me that it's so restrictive at times. I'm, it might take me three or four days of doing odd and ends before I'm allowed to go back into a dungeon. And all the while I was trying to work at my desk to make lockpicks only to find out, only for that darn cat to tell me I'm tired and should go to bed. For fuck's sake, I want, <laughs> I want to, she said, she said FFS, but I, I like, I like to say fuck. You paraphrased. Yeah. I want to open those damn chests. Just let me make one goddamn lockpick. Uh, then after three days of trying, he bitches me at me because time is running out. After I beat the first <laughs> boss, I kind of lost interest and I don't really feel I need to keep playing. Maybe I will if I get the really, if I get really bored. The good news is I didn't hate it. Let's just be happy with that. <laughs> Number four, and this is a game I should have played, but I didn't. Near Automata. Yeah, I really want to play that. Yeah, I I, I absolutely adored Nier. And the, oh, this is me saying that. Uh, and the it has the best video game soundtrack ever made. I'm, I, I haven't played Nier Automata, but Nier is the best soundtrack I have ever heard in a video game. It is spectacular. Anyway, so she says number four is Nier Automata. I didn't really know what to think of this game when it came out. It looked cool, but it also looked like something that you would need to know the history for. After hearing from so many people that it was amazing, though, I had to try it out. I wasn't disappointed. The characters are interesting, which is surprising since the entire cast is made up of machines. I found the combat to be easy to learn, but also challenging. 
There isn't a lot of variance in enemies, and the world is relatively small, but there is enough story there to keep you wondering what is going on and want to figure it out. I haven't done multiple playthroughs, which I understand is a must for the series, so I plan on doing that, and I hope there is more story given in those iterations, since playing just once leaves a lot unanswered. Anyways, I really enjoyed what I played so far. Number three, Danganronpa V3. You already know my feelings on Danganronpa. Those feelings haven't changed with time. It's number three on my list because despite its shortcomings in story, this was my most anticipated game of the year. And I loved getting back into the Danganronpa world. It may be my least favorite Danganronpa, but I still really enjoyed the game. And I hope that there will be more to see. In the meantime, I've got Ultra Despair Girls to play, and who knows, maybe that Easter egg for Ultra Despair Girls 2 will be a thing. It actually is. They they have announced that they're working on another Danganronpa action game. Number two, Hellblade, Sasuna's Sacrifice. Sasuna's... I don't know how you pronounce that. Sasuna? Sasuna. <laughs> uh, yeah. Sasuna. Uh, this was a tough game, not necessarily because it was difficult, but because it was consuming. I bought this game expecting to play it in a day or two. It took me months. I could only play it in short bursts because my nerves were on edge the entire time. Maybe it was the constant whispering in my ears or the enemies seemed to jump out of nowhere. Or maybe it was the constant fear of failing and having the, my save deleted, which is bullshit, by the way. I died so many times. But I, I was a bundle of nerves every time I played it. Uh, there were even times when I found myself standing and leaning in the controller with my hands... <laughs> I looked like a little kid waving the controller around like somehow that would help me dodge. The story was incredibly compelling, and I could feel Susuna's fear, pain, and dread along the way. It's a dark story and maybe one that might be difficult for people to play if they suffer from similar, similar mental health issues as Susuna does, but it's a fantastic story. Number one, Horizon Zero Dawn. Uh, this is not a... This will not be a surprise for many people. When I first saw the E3 trailer for this game, I knew I wanted it. When it finally arrived, I held my breath, hoping that it, I hadn't hyped, hyped it out beyond what it could deliver. Thankfully, that didn't happen. It felt fresh and new, even though it wasn't groundbreaking in gameplay or story. It was well executed. It didn't bog you down with too many weapons or types, but get, gave you enough to have a good variety. The story isn't overly complicated, but interesting and well-paced. It's just an all-around great game. I know that there were some people who had problems with bugs, but it didn't. Ha I didn't have a single problem. It was it was smooth all the way through. Uh, one thing I'll mention is that I think this game really delivers on a great female lead. You could see in the conversations, uh, conversation options that there might have been romance options offered, which were later removed. I'm glad that happened because. For once, it was nice to play a strong female character who wasn't in need of romance. Uh, she's there to save the world. She's awesome. End of story. My son still begs me to play this game. He loves to watch the dinosaur game. Thank goodness for the DLC. <laughs> Overall, this felt like it was a great one for female leads, which was awesome. When given the choice, I'll play a female character. When games were being made with realistic female leads, it makes it even better. Okay, I'm going to mention a couple games that I've played that weren't this year that weren't this year's games. Thanks to Matt and Jay for the recommendation of Steins Gate. I loved that game and the anime, and I can't wait to play Steins Gate Zero. I've also put an impressive amount of time into Overwatch. Oh yeah, 
<laughs> which I didn't think I'd like, but now play all the time. I think I completed six games this year. A new record for me, although that includes Mass Effect 2 and 3 with you guys. Now that we're done with 2017, what games are you most hyped for in 2018? I'm pretty excited for the new Far Cry, Detroit, and Anthem. Here's to a fantastic gaming year, Jamie. Thank you for that email, Jamie. Uh, as far as 2018 games go... Spider-Man. Spider-Man yeah. looks great. You don't yes, like... You, yes, you're yes, not in yes, for yes. Spider-Man? No, I'm not in for... I'm not a huge fan of um, the Marvel DC kind of games. I'm not a huge comic book fan in general. Um, I like Superman, and I enjoy, like... I've played a few of the fighting games, but yeah, no, I probably will avoid Spider-Man, but... Oh, you weren't you know, big into I, the Batman Arkham games? Never played them. Not just not <gasps> my kind of thing. I know. I'm sorry. Wow. Not no. It's wow. not a kind of like um, I'm going out of my way to avoid it. It's more kind of like just not my thing. And with so many games to play, it's just an easy one to say. I'll save that time for something else. Okay. I I, I will not push any farther. But Batman Arkham Asylum is one of the best games ever made. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, I know, I know, and I wasn't. One of them came on the PS Plus one time, didn't it? On PS3, and I downloaded it and everything, and I just, I didn't get around to it. But I'm That's, sorry, it's don't okay. hold it against it's, me. It's okay. Everyone's got those holes in their, uh, in their back catalog. Hey, so this is mine. It takes different strokes to move the world, but <clears throat> I would say uh, Anthem's pretty high up there. I'm. I'm I hoping... just don't think it's. I don't think it's this year. It may not be this year. I don't know. I um, think it's next year. Uh, Anthem's one of them. Uh, Far Cry 5. I'm really excited for Far um, Cry 5. Really, the setting really, really excites me. Oh, yeah. I, 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 I want to be... like kill some like you know, crazy Bible-thumping rednecks. <laughs> <laughs> I, just, I think it's just, just going to be a really cool new kind of take. I'm excited to see what they do with it. Yeah. Should be good. But the uh, the most anticipated game for me this year, and everybody knows it, and it comes out in a few days, like two weeks away. Monster so it's not Hunter, us? No, oh, <laughs> Monster Hunter World. Holy crap! Me and Jay have played pretty much every Monster Hunter game that's came out on 3DS together, and we play it playing co-op on a 3DS, sitting at a computer on Skype. And every time we get a new Monster Hunter game, we're like, man, we love this, and I wish we could play it on my fucking television. Guess what? They finally gave us the game that we've been calling for for <laughs> years. And I've played both betas, and it is phenomenal. I can't You're gonna wait. You're going to have to... Uh... Take me out then on some uh, monster hunting. Oh, I definitely adventures. will. I cannot wait for Monster Hunter World. It's I can't wait. I'm so excited. Um, yeah, I'm looking forward to. I'm gonna get. I'm looking forward to playing that game, but not in a kind of like. I'm excited to play it on console because I played a bit of. Is it Four Ultimate? Yeah, I can't remember. Yeah, I played a bit of that on 3DS, and I, I, I enjoyed it. But then again, I just kind of never really got into it. But I love the concept, if that makes sense. So I'm excited to have a kind of console TV version to kind of get stuck into. I am looking forward to Far Cry Five. I am looking forward to The Last of Us Part Two, if that sees the light of day. Mm. I'm looking forward to The Shadow of the Colossus 
remaster. That's not far off either, is it? That's like I'm really days. looking forward to that. Um, are we thinking Red Dead Two is coming out? Definitely like, this year, but yeah, um, I think it'll be summertime. You think? Yeah, it, I so think it'll be November. Well, I'm looking forward Red to Dead, it. I'm hopefully, forward uh, to it, yeah. hopefully that will that will see the light of day. And I'm really looking forward to the Civ Six expansion, which comes out next month as well. And so Days Gone. Yeah. Days Gone as uh, well. But I kind of think that might be... Um, I, I feel like that might be one that's going to bust, if, you mm. know, to use a sports analogy. I want it to be good, and it sounds like it could be good, but I feel like it might also be one that comes out and is just... Yeah. I, dis- I couldn't you know? care less about that game. No, I don't. I don't. God of War, however. That looks nah. Good. I'll see where they go with that. To see how they, they oh, change it up. Detroit being is it becoming being human or Become becoming human? human? Yeah. 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 I'm curious well, to see what cool. that's like as well because that looks like a really cool concept and I hope that it's again sometimes games that um offer the illusion of choice, it's just that, it's an illusion. Mm-hmm. Um and, and that's disappointing. I, I would love a game that purports to kind of make everything about choice and and impact. I, I hope it delivers because it could like be a, a very interesting game that sounds, way. Sounds like Divinity Original Sin Two has ruined you. It spoiled me for life. Now it <laughs> the benchmark, and yeah, I don't know. It's not going to be an RPG, so I try and you know, it's, it would be obviously difficult to compare the two. But yeah. I think for a game that's kind of, I in my kind of understanding of it is very much about identity and choice and morality um i hope that the, you know the the inclusion of choice in the game for the player is is legitimate and not just kind of some facade of like yes or no you know yeah, all roads lead to one is that about it yeah okay um yeah uh nino cooney too that's that's coming soon so that might be cool. And they have delayed it slightly, haven't they? Because it's meant to be, like, February, but it's now pushed back to March. But still, that could be cool. And you guys seem to be really burned on Destiny 2 because may- maybe Anthem will be the Destiny that we wanted. I, I, mm. I would like it to looks like that. Destiny. Really <laughs> cool. It looks super cool. It's just EA. And yeah. that's they really they don't deserve the benefit of the doubt at the moment they just don't yeah. and I'm, I'm really hoping yeah. that, I'm I... hoping that Bioware kind of shines through over EA's kind of corporateness but yeah. my I feel that this is it for Bioware I think if Anthem doesn't do well hey now not without me. another Dragon Age game I, I think Dragon yeah. Age is a very possibly Inquisition may be the last one if if no. Anthem doesn't do well. I think I mean, Inquisition did well. Yes, but you look at what EA do. They if you don't perform, they chew you out and throw you away. And I mean, Bioware isn't the same company it used to be. But I'm hoping because it does. Fingers look crossed. Interesting. We'll see. We'll see. 2018. I mean, it's going to be hard to top 2017, but we'll see. Mm-hmm. There'll be some surprises. There always is. Yeah, absolutely. But that uh, that wraps up us. Uh, this well, part of the show. 
before we go, I would just like to say thank you to all of the listeners who made me feel welcome in my nine plus years um, on the show. Uh, this is the last time I'll be on a N4G show on a, a regular basis, although um, I might pop up again for the odd Phoenix down at some point. Absolutely. Um, but uh, yeah, I would just like to, to thank all of the staff and uh, especially all the listeners. You've been great. Yeah. Thank you, John. You've uh, you've been a great uh, co-worker over at ZTGD. <laughs> Sometimes when I proof your reviews, I pull my hair out. Yeah, I know. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, but no, no. It's uh, you 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 are you're a great writer and a uh, great podcaster. And uh, you know, you, this isn't the last we'll see of you. you you'll definitely be. I'm, I'm going to drag you on Phoenix down a couple of times. <laughs> <laughs> that's absolutely fine. Okay. But yeah, that's uh that's it for us. Um we're gonna get out of here. Um but uh thank you all for listening. Uh we're gonna be back uh for Phoenix Down. I I don't know when this is going up, but next week we are gonna continue uh Nino Cooney uh for the uh year of the JRPG. But uh The year of the JRPG. That's right. We are playing nothing. You're doing them all year. All year. We're going to be doing these thousand hour RPGs. So you're going to do like two games. Probably. (laughs) (laughs) Probably. So, but yeah, uh, get excited for that and uh, send us some suggestions on games to play. We got a short list and uh, we're going to stick to that for now, but eventually we're going to move on. Blue Dragon. Oh, you've done Blue Dragon. We've done Blue Dragon, yeah. Because I just bought that in the Xbox sale. It was like three pounds. That's um, uh, that's a pretty good JRPG. Yeah, I've heard. Um, I keep. I think I played it once when I was on Xbox and kind of got into it, then fell off for some reason. So I thought, well, for three quid, the size of that thing that was like a three disc, I think, wasn't it? Yeah. It so, was. so that's worth it. It's like a pound a disc. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> all right, but that wraps us up. Uh, like I said, thank you all for listening. Um, We'll uh, we'll be back soon, uh, and uh, keep an eye out for Ken and the N4G crews uh, part two of the. Uh, or this may very well be part two. I don't know which one's going up first. So uh, <laughs> this may be the end. I don't know, but we'll find out. Uh, but that's it for us. Uh, until next time, I am Drew. I'm Sophie. And I'm John. And you guys have a great one. And uh, here's to another great 2018. And roadie, go tell and roadie, go tell and roadie that everybody's dead. A prisoner with no parole They locked me up and took my soul